Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast for working mums. Here you can find the tools and inspiration you need to overcome the constant juggle and live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in your everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself. And I'm super happy to be here with you. Hello, a very warm welcome to episode number 58 of the Balancing Act podcast. And this week I am absolutely delighted to be bringing you another amazing guest interview. And this time it is with Sarah Dodsley. Sarah is a confidence and empowerment coach and it really was no surprise to me that we find so much like shared passion and interest and like values. And so the conversation is is quite wide ranging. Sarah's um, speciality is working with people pleasers. Um, and we talk about many of the um, the causes of that, I guess, and the, the typical behaviours around people pleasing and then, of course, what to do about it. So I hope you enjoy it and do let both me and Sarah know what you think. Um, and let's get going. Good morning, Sarah, and a very, very warm welcome to the Balancing Act podcast. It's it's wonderful to have you here. And like I was just saying, it's it's fabulous to see your face as well. I have the joy of that, but the listeners, unfortunately, are missing out on. Um, so this morning, I am joined by Sarah Dodsley, who is an empowerment and confidence coach. And I am so excited for this conversation because I feel that it will be so relevant. And I'm sure that there will be aspects that all of us can relate to on some level. Um, But just to begin with, Sarah, I would love it if you could tell us a little bit more about what your own balancing act looks like just now. Morning, Debbie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you very much for for having me on. And okay, so balancing. So I've been really thinking about this this morning. And for me, it's what's really fundamental is about being open-hearted and open-minded all the time because there's I'm really aware that there's no such thing as perfection you know there's only progress and I think we can get very caught up in how things have to or should be and that in itself can create lots of problems so for me balancing is about being very aware of what's going on in my life and recognizing when I need to maybe take a few steps back and take some space for myself or alternatively push on a little bit too so I think it's kind of creating that dance and you know really recognizing what my needs are and being very open to learning all the time and knowing that I change as well. Mm, I love that I, th- I think that really resonates um, with how I look at it as well and I, I love the fact that you said about that like it's it's like a constant change isn't it I feel like like balance and um, like to me balance is the feeling it's not the physical makeup of things it's the, the feeling that that arises when when your needs are being met I guess in the most fulfilling way and um yeah I love that you mentioned that because I feel that it can change like not even from day to day sometimes sometimes even from hour to hour it changes Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Right. and I what it's really interesting because I really and what I really notice is how I years ago I would have probably described myself as a, an extrovert and really thrived off the energy of other people and now I really what I really notice is how much space and time I need for myself to really recharge and mm. but knowing that you know, some days I will need that and other days I do need to be around other people. And it's, you know, like you say, it's that ever it's evolutionary, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that 
like that change is a process in itself and it's I love it I love it um so what what does your physical makeup of, of balance look like just now um in terms of like your work and your personal well-being and so from a from a work um perspective um my children are both at school now so I'm fortunate that I can I can do my work you know while they're at school and I get to walk my dogs and do some work so I feel I actually feel that that's in a really good place work work life balance is you know is good um personal life I am um, I really like to try and you know get exercise in I'm so aware of how important that is to my well-being I really notice if I haven't managed to fit that into my schedule it does really impact on on how I feel and I try not to be too hard on myself if it, if I can't you know if I can't get it in I, I hold it I try and hold it loosely but know that it's it's important to you know to factor into my into my week mm. um and you know our household is is busy. My husband works shifts. Uh, we have two dogs, so it's all there's always a lot going on. <laughs> and I know that will probably resonate with a lot of people. Is a you know busy household, and it's being able to kind of you know look at look at the bigger picture and say right, what do we need this week? What do we need this moment? You know, what yes, do we need today? <laughs> yes. What do we? I love it. I'm, I ask myself the very same thing. It's like, what do we need, and what is the priority? at this moment like how do I want this moment to be yeah (laughs) because there are a lot of things I think we we think we need to be doing and actually they're not they're not always the most important things (laughs) yes exactly exactly so I know that in your work um you work a lot with people pleasers and I'm so excited for this bit of the conversation um and I I wonder if you'd be open to sharing a little bit more about like your journey and how you got to like be so passionate about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist, which is why I, you know, I specialize in that area. And I mean, I've always been throughout my entire working life I've always been in service of other people so I am a former police officer um, I've been a teacher and and now a coach and I you know my early career very much um, the perspective was I must I must help everybody I must help other people and put a huge amount of energy into I think I would say fixing trying to fix other people and that being my you know my driving driving force and um I had seven years in the police and whilst an amazing amazing um, job to have had and you know opened my eyes to so much there is so much that you can't do in that career and Mm. it exhausted me and so I stepped out of that and became and qualified as a teacher and actually, through it was through teaching that I got into the coaching world. Um, and again, teaching, you know, it's, it's service of others, isn't it? It's it's helping others and is, is very rewarding. And I got introduced to coaching through my teaching career. And I really felt that something clicked for me and thought, OK, so actually this whole process of being accountable for our own existence, for our own lives and what we want is really where the magic lies, because I think when we are, if we're in service of others and we are trying to rescue them, fix them, change them, nothing, nothing actually changes. So there was a real moment for me where I recognized that that is what I needed to do in my life. I needed to take 
responsibility for my happiness and my goals and then recognizing the power of that and realizing that is what I wanted to do for other people and my initial coaching work was executive style coaching so I was working in organizations and then I had my children and in having my children I it suddenly brought up all of the trauma and I was you know all of the stuff that I had been holding for so so many years and I recognized that you know that it was time to, to 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 deal with that and to you know work on letting that go and actually processing and that is when I was introduced to EFT and matrix reimprinting which I know we're going to talk about in a little while as a client initially and it was a game changer I, I was able to finally let go of the trauma that I had been holding on to you know for decades and that had been brought up by the birth of my children and I realized that this this powerful technique was was really an amazing route to help people break out of the patterns that you know that they get stuck in because mm. I'd lived through that and I, I'd experienced that myself so that's kind of the a pricey, I think. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. It's such an inspiring story. Like I feel it inside. I feel like inside. Like I'm hooked on your words here. Um I yeah, I'm so I'm so um inspired. And let me think where I want to go next. I so when you talked about trauma, this my perspective on trauma has changed like it just in the, the recent past. And I I guess I used to have a uh, an assumption I guess that trauma had to be like a, a something big you know a catastrophic event and now I realize that actually trauma often is the accumulation of lots of like small stressful like prolonged low-level stress I guess can often be and I suspect that for many people um it's that's what's then manifesting in people pleasing type behaviors um is that what you find in, yes, in your absolutely, work absolutely and 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 just and the same as you you know my perception of trauma was it had to be something you know incredibly traumatic big difficult event and actually often it comes down to not having our needs met as children mm-hmm. so being um being abandoned not being shown the love that we needed as children and that creates a feeling of um, not being lovable, not being worthy. And so many of us, so many of us carry that belief. It will hide in lots of different ways. People don't, you know, people don't admit and say, I don't think I'm worthy. That's not how it it manifests day to day. But that is often what is sitting, sitting beneath that. Mm-hmm. And you know, often it's it, it starts from a chaotic a chaotic home life. You know, from my experience, my parents, um, I didn't have a terrible childhood at all. I had a lovely childhood, but my parents fought an awful lot and were very focused on on that relationship. So I know that my my role became the fixer because if I could keep everybody happy, then everything would be okay. And I and I know that's where it began for me. Um, you know in other people it can be just simply not being shown the love that they that they deserved and that they needed so what they do is what we do is we then demonstrate that to other people we you know we we have to we want to love Mm. and you know there's lots of different ways that it happens but what the thing with people pleasing is that we it becomes very difficult to let go of because 
we think that we, you know, we have to, we have to help everybody else. We have to do everything for everybody else because if we don't, then we, then we're not lovable and we will be rejected. And also if we let go of people pleasing, we have to deal with our own pain. And that is so hard. So there's a real double edge, you know, there's a real double edge to it. It's very complex. I totally get that. And I think that the bit that you said um, at the start there about taking responsibility, like I feel like that's very much a message of like tough love. Really, It's like, I think that is where it has to begin. And that's really, it's really difficult and it's really scary and it's really like challenging. But really, I think that like there is almost no other way, like that's where it has to begin because I guess often with people pleasing we're we're giving away our power to to other people and letting like the reactions or the moods or the behaviors of other people very much dictate how how we feel in in our day to day absolutely and actually i was talking about this in my in my group yesterday about how you know why we're so hard on ourselves and this is another feature of people pleasing is that often we are, you know, what's modeled to us as children is you must put everybody else before you. You must share all of your, you must share your toys. Yeah. You must, you know, make sure that everybody else is comfortable before you. So yep. we, you know, and as kids, we can't, we can't um, make the meaning of that that is, you know, that we need to. We just internalize that as, Oh, my needs are not, I'm not worthy of having my needs met. I just need to make sure everyone else is okay. And it it can be as simple as that. And our parents had the best of intentions. You know, we want to bring up well-mannered, kind children. Great, of course. But actually, it it has a quite a negative impact. Yeah, it's so true. And I think, um, I think actually as, so like taking that self-responsibility, obviously primarily it's um, for ourselves, but I think that there's also, like it's a really valuable thing to then model that to our own children and it's funny you mentioned the sharing thing there because we were on holiday last week and um my son my son's four and he made friends so we were we were in um Corfu so he made friends with uh like a little boy there around the same age who only spoke Greek and Ethan only spoke English um, and so, you know, their way to communicate was through playing and it was with Ethan, they were playing with Ethan's toys and he has these transformers. And there's one of the transformers that, you know, you press buttons and it's, spe- it's sort of, the, it's the, that was the go-to, the favourite toy. And the other little boy kept like taking it and running off with it. And, you know, it, it's funny how instinctively it almost came to me to say, oh, Ethan, you know, it's good to share your toys because, you know, you're making friends. So like, of course, you know, let him have a turn. And then actually I thought, well, no, like it's his toy. <laughs> like he gets to choose. And I was so grateful for having that perspective because it felt like it I, It felt so supportive to my son to be able to say, you know, you know you can choose what you want to do and if you would like your toy back then I will support you in in going to get it back and it like it just it felt it felt really good and it it was as I say it it was funny how I had to take that moment to stop my instinctive reaction just as you say like it's these small things that we don't you probably were modeled us as children very much in our generation and for very good intent but it all adds up 
It really does. And I love that you said that you you took the moment to stop because actually this is this is programming that has been installed in all of us. You know, our subconscious is in charge for 95% of the day and all of these things are are programmed. You know, we were programmed to be well-mannered, kind, sharing, you know, children. So we just instinctively, we, we will do the same with our children. Mm. And the beauty of that pause is that you get, you know, you get to break the cycle for you in that moment and then for your son. And that is like so empowering, I think, for our children to be able to show them they have choice. Absolutely. So empowering. Absolutely. Um, so the, like, I, picking up on what you said about subconscious, like it's so, I think so much of, so much of our behaviours and our habits are all driven by the subconscious, aren't they? And, um, it's real. I think that through our like logical thinking, it's really difficult, stroke impossible to pick up on those things. So, um, I I read one of your Instagram posts that really struck me because it talked very much about very tangible examples of what pe- people pleasing looks like in day to day life. Um, and when I read it, it felt you know in that context, it felt so obvious. But I think that, um knowing myself when when those behaviors are happening we don't always recognize them for what they are so I wondered if we could talk a little bit more just about yeah like tangible day-to-day examples of what people pleasing might look like I know one that stood out for me was um the avoidance of conflict or the avoidance of of arguments so either like not voicing our own perspective or opinion or needs um either they're not voicing or even just like totally disregarding them yeah absolutely so it will be we will be worried that if we raise our opinions then the person will reject us uh, or you know we essentially we will be unlovable which is the deep the deep deep core belief and on the face of it you can say oh well that's fine just just let it go it doesn't matter but actually it that's not how it works because we feel very physically when our boundaries have been crossed we know you know if we we feel when someone is overstepping the mark or is speaking to us in a way that is inappropriate there will be a part of your brain that says oh you're just being silly just let this go but that I I have to wholeheartedly step in and say no actually you know you'll know that it's crossing a boundary you'll have a very physical response and if you continue to allow that to happen over time that will build up into a much bigger stress mm-hmm. so it, it is so important to 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 start to recognize these patterns um so yeah it's not it's not speaking up when we we feel uncomfortable it's often saying yes to things that we don't really want to do um going you know going to events and put in all, you know, just picking up the slack for other people all of the time when we actually haven't really got the capacity to do it. But the the deep, you know, the deep belief beneath that is if I don't do that, I am going to be rejected. I am not lovable. And actually, I read this really amazing um, quote yesterday about every every time you say yes to somebody else and you don't really want to, you're saying no to yourself. I just I was just like oh I love that so much because you know I deserve you are everybody deserves to say yes to themselves you know and every time you're saying saying no to yourself you're building up 
you know, this this stress will build. And then yeah. it, it comes out in resentment and anger and frustration. And this is when we have the big arguments with our partners because we haven't actually said anything to them. <laughs> Internalising it. You don't, you know, you don't see me. You don't. And this is, and I know, I know how common that is because I had the same conversations with my client. This week, that has been the theme of <laughs> my partner doesn't see me. No, but you're also not speaking out. Yeah. You know, I always have to do this. You never do that. <laughs> yeah, I do everything. Yeah. Yes, you, you that is, and that will be true. But that, yes. there is also a choice in that. There is a choice in that. And it's a choice that we don't, I think it's a choice that we don't have access to unless we have the awareness I like it all starts with the awareness doesn't it in in the first place and I think with that like I loved um like what you said about saying yes when we really mean no so I I'm not you know with the benefit of hindsight I now recognize for me that like I was saying yes thinking that I meant yes so I didn't even know that I actually meant no. exactly <laughs> but like the main incentive for doing it was for the like the recognition or the acknowledgement or the validation from yes. somebody else. And I know that for me, that very much showed up as a pattern in lots of different areas of life, you know, work primarily like, you know, my boss asking me to take on an extra extra project or even a project that I just wasn't really that inspired or interested yeah. in. But like I it, it wouldn't have crossed my mind to say no um and you know the same at like home or even with with our kids sometimes as well again like I think it's healthy to be able to draw boundaries with our kids and explain that actually no at the minute we're not up for the like super energized high activity playtime and we'd prefer to sit and read books together you know for example um so yeah I, I love that um, but then following on from that, then I feel like that's a really nice lead in to EFT and, and matrix reimprinting, which, you know, I said to you at the start, I'm on a personal level, I'm really curious to hear more about. So, yeah, how, how do these tools help um, access the, the subconscious and address some of these stories that, that we've built up over such a long time? So EFT and matrix to me are just pure magic they are absolutely incredible so EFT stands for emotional freedom technique and some people may have heard it referred to as tapping and um, tapping is essentially where we we tune into a feeling that we are experiencing and or you know a thought that we've had that is is causing us some problems and we we talk about that thought and that feeling and that problem whilst we tap on I know I realize the listeners can't actually see what I'm doing, but I'm tapping as I'm <laughs> tapping on parts of our head, face, and upper body. Now that sounds completely bonkers if you've never done it. <laughs> completely bonkers. And the first time everybody does it, people think, what am I doing? But it is really, really powerful. So what we do with the tapping is we are tuning into the the issue that we are having because in the main we don't do this in everyday life we have a stress we have a problem and then we ignore it I can't deal with that right now I'm too busy I've got too much on and we stuff it down EFT gives us the space to actually really open that up and by opening up the problem we actually get to we get to release it and we get to let it go the tapping 
helps release the stress at a visceral level. So the tapping points are, if anybody's had acupuncture, they might be familiar with some of these points, but they are acupressure points. Mm. So we tap, we talk and we tap and it releases the stress that we are feeling in our bodies. Now, that is the starting point for it, because what we then get to do is really recognize, okay, this isn't this isn't frustration. Actually, this is grief or this is anger. We recognize where we're holding it in our bodies. You know, is it in your head? Is it in your chest? And the tapping really highlights that. And it's a it's a a mining technique, I guess. The more we tap, the more we start to recognize what the source of the problem is. And once we've released some of that, when I work with people, I will then say I'll ask questions such as, you know, when when are you when did this start for you? When do you remember feeling this? You know, when you were younger, because essentially all of our core beliefs were about the world and were created between the ages of naught to seven. When we are that age, our brains are in a state, we are pre-conscious, we are not really aware of our capacity as individuals, we're just sponges absorbing everything. So we are watching our parents and our caregivers, our teachers, and we are learning from them, creating all of our programs. So the, you know, the I am not worthy, I am not lovable, believe it or not, was all created between the ages of naught to seven. And so you might think, well, okay, well, I can't change that then because, you know, I've had this for such a long time. And actually, this is where the matrix comes in. So the tapping helps us get clear on what the what the issue actually is. And we get to release it at a visceral level. Then I bring in the matrix re-imprinting. Matrix re-imprinting is where we, we identify an event, a memory, when we think the belief may have begun. So it can it, it can be that it's a big traumatic thing. And I'll talk about the safety around that in a minute. But it can also just be, I remember being told off by my parents when I was younger and it made me feel that I must be a bad person and therefore I'm not, you know, I'm not lovable. And we actually very, very safely work with that memory. So it's it's all subconscious work. And we go back and we we observe the memory from a very safe distance. So nobody's reliving anything because that is really important because some of these things were really traumatic for people and at no point do I want anybody to be re-traumatised. So it's all done from a very safe distance where we are observing the situation and really seeing what was going on for our younger selves in that moment. Because when you're really, if you relive it, you're not going to get have the perspective of, oh, I see what was happening there. The belief that was created was I'm not lovable. When we observe it from a distance, we get to really see clearly the belief that was created and on an energetic level we we change we change the outcomes we're not changing history it's not about wiping anything from our memories it's about releasing the energetics that we have been carrying around that situation and have been carrying since you know however old we were two three whatever and it it creates deep transformational change because we actually let go of that moment you know, every everybody will have memories that they will be able to go back to and it will be so vivid. And that's why the matrix is so powerful, because we go back and we work with that, mm-hmm. release the negative charge that we held around that event, create a positive belief. And then the re-imprinting is essentially where we we bring that energy throughout the whole body and we really lock it in and we oh, get it. So it's there to check in with whenever we need. And is that bit done through um, like more tapping or through 
So we do but, use uh, tapping with we do use tapping in the matrix um, because the tapping once people get into the tapping it, it's a really lovely safety mechanism you know to to reduce stress. So tapping is part of the matrix work, um, but it's mainly us. You know we're we're working inside a memory, eyes closed. But I will use tapping as part of the process. Yeah. Amazing. I like this. Yeah, it's so, so fascinating. And I can, I can really see the the value in, in it. And I think that um, I, um, so I haven't done that style of art, but I've done, um, I guess, similar things where we go back and look at where stories began. And I have found it like super, super powerful, especially now that I have my own kids. So I don't, I mean, I never, I, a lot of my my um like self-development work I guess or self-exploration started post kids so I don't have anything to but I just think that when I think of those experiences and how I felt at the time and now thinking of my own kids it's like it's so much easier to then offer ourselves that like love and compassion and like when we see our kids there in front of us and think that that's like you know at the heart of it that's all that we hold for them absolutely and I think there's you know it's such a powerful journey that you go on as a parent um when because it really does bring up so much of your own childhood Mm. and and your own beliefs you know there's I, I don't think there's any greater process of bringing that up and having you know than bringing kids into this world absolutely absolutely um, and that's why you know when out we we and people use the word triggered and I'm, I'm mindful of, of using that word but we do you know we will get triggered by our children because what happens is they'll be going through something that we have experienced and maybe have a negative experience of and we'll be right back there we will be in that moment experiencing it again and we can get stuck in then a pattern of you know, of negative thinking mm. by recognizing what's going. And, you know, it, when people have are having difficulties with their children, you know, maybe in terms of behavior or feeling stressed, it, what I really want to say is it starts with you. It is not your children. It, it, it has, it starts with you, you know, yep, you, yep. you get to break the cycle first and then you don't hand it down to them. Yeah, beauty, you know. I absolutely like I I totally, totally wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that like for me, the number one question I try to start with is like around curiosity. Like, why, why, why do I feel like why does this annoy me so much? Why do I feel so frustrated? Why am I not like, you know, behaving in the way that I would like to behave? Like, and and t- it goes back to that responsibility that you talked about really at the start, doesn't it? And taking that responsibility to notice that like, you know, our, our children will only ever behave in like, well, I, I truly believe our children will only behave in like the best way that they know Definitely. how <laughs> to get their needs met. That's, that's absolutely it. Yeah, absolutely. And what just came up for me then as you were talking is how, you know, when we struggle with helping our children we then will often find that we're reverting to the care to the type of caregiving that we were shown because that is what you know that is what we were modeled so we then find it hard you know if our parents were harsh on us you know the the the, the example I use a lot is were you told to stop crying as a child yeah. yeah you know there's nothing wrong with you stop crying what are you crying for why are you crying and I hear it now with people and I think oh, I just would really love to in a really kind way just say <laughs> 
it's okay. Like it's okay. I am, yeah. I know you're feeling really stressed and it's okay. And it's because, you know, we weren't shown necessarily how to process our emotions because our parents weren't shown how to process mm-hmm. their emotions. So that pause, you know, and taking that responsibility and knowing, okay, this is actually about me. And I, I can change this. I can, you can totally transform the course of action with, you know, with your children's, their, their behavior. Absolutely. And like, I love that perspective because for me, it turns into like, like this amazing opportunity that we have, like how incredible is it that we now have access to like all the, like a lot more research, a lot more tools, a lot more information than our parents ever had. And you know, of course, our parents were only ever doing like the best that they knew how and um, the best with what they had at their disposal. But like now that we have so much more than that, like what an incredible opportunity to like break some of those cycles that have been going on for for so long. And I think that like, <laughs> you know, not even on a personal level, on like a global scale, oh like what more does the world need right now than people? So, here, much, like, so much amazing opportunity here with, you know, with changing, changing our lives and the lives of, you know, of our children. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a great time for that. Yeah. I really feel that. Um, and yeah, that feels like a really lovely, beautiful note to, to end on there as well. So maybe just to, to finish off and. Um, I would love it if you could share how we can find out more about you, either online or elsewhere. Yeah, so I mean, I'm on a on a number of platforms: Instagram um, at Sarah Dodsley, and on Facebook at um, I'm Sarah Dodsley Empowerment and Confidence Coach. And I have a free group, the Empowered Collective, which everybody is welcome to come and join, where I share you know free coaching advice and and more of these conversations like you and I have had today. So yeah, please come and look me up. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I will um, I'll link all of those in the show notes as well. So people have a, a direct link there. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time and your energy and your passion. Like I've, I've really, really enjoyed it myself. And I know that it will be super valuable as well. So uh, yeah, a huge thank you. Absolute pleasure. I've really loved having this conversation. I feel like we, I could talk all day with you. <laughs> easily, easily. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Sarah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you'd like to connect with other working mums just like you who are seeking more balance in their everyday, then come join us on the free Facebook community, The Balancing Act for Working Mums. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on your favourite platform so that we can spread the word to all the working mums out there looking for more balance. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.